Hello, I'm Sarah Connolly and today I've got a very bittersweet interview because on the one hand it's great, I'm talking to one of my favourite riders in the world, but on the other hand she's just retired, it's terrible. Um, this is Marine de Vries. Hello Marine. Hi Sarah. How are you? I'm really good actually, thank you for the very nice introduction and uh, I, I really don't feel like I'm retired yet, so I've got to get used to people saying I'm an ex-pro cyclist. Oh, it sounds terrible. Oh, it just felt really old. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because you started your career as a journalist and you very, very famously, um, for people who don't know about Marine, um, were a journalist who was riding your bike anyway and you decided to become see if you could become a pro. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, that's in, yeah, in very short, that's how it went. Uh, I bought my first ra race bike when I was 28 um, because my... Um, boyfriend by that time my boyfriend he also had a race bike and um he said ah, maybe we can ride together just for fun so uh, i thought no oh, might be nice um so i bought a race bike and very soon it appeared that i could ride a bike very fast i i was just doing my thing i really didn't know and, but people kept telling me oh you're riding strong you should try to uh, compete. And I was like, yeah, well, no, uh, I'm al almost 30 years old. That's, that's not the age to, to start a cycling career. But yeah, it, it really triggered me. Um, and back then, uh, I used to work for a Dutch TV show called Holland Sport. Uh, and for that TV show, I talked to a lot of athletes in every kind of sport. And it was so inspiring, the way they live and the way they focus on this one goal and totally yeah, go for that goal. And, and I really wondered what it would be like to have a life like that. So I decided to combine the two things and do an experiment if you can still become a, a pro athlete, even if you're 30 years old. So I, I started testing myself and, and interviewing people in the peloton when I was, yeah, I, I was just 30 years old, I think. So yeah, it got a bit out of hand because uh, it's six years later now. And uh, I've been racing my bike for six years in the professional peloton. It didn't come out of nowhere. You were very sporty. You'd done a lot of sports before, hadn't you? You weren't like someone like me, like a couch potato, just getting up and <laughs> trying to get into the peloton. You kind of came from a good background. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, but the, the, the sports I did weren't, weren't like cycling. I used to play volleyball a lot, mm -hmm. which is something totally different. Actually, you can't compare it to cycling at all. But I know I always really like to compete in any kind of thing, uh, playing games or even even in my uh, day job, I was uh, pretty ambitious. Uh, and that's what I really liked about cycling from the beginning. You can be as ambitious as you wish. The sky is the limit. And that's why I enjoyed it so much. And that's also why I want to try to get it to a higher level because, uh, yeah, it felt so good to finally... Uh, live up to to my ambitious uh, ambitions yeah yeah I mean you were recording it for a radio show weren't you at the time yeah when, yeah. when you were doing that which I think is so imp that must have been so interesting I always wish that we'd heard that in English because that would have been a really <laughs> crazy thing to follow you on that on that journey I recorded um, a lot of events for like six months uh, I started with testing uh, at um, a physician um, and he found out that yeah Genetically, uh, I'm very, uh, um, what's the word, talented, I think. Predisposed uh, to be yeah, yeah, predisposed yeah. to be an athlete. Yeah, yeah. well, exactly. Uh, I never knew. So for me, that was like, whoa, okay. So genetically, I, I can do it. 
well, then I really have to try. Um, I interviewed Marianne Vos because I wanted to know what it would be like to, uh, to start as a newbie in the peloton, but also as an oldie because <laughs> I was pretty old already. Uh, but she said, yeah, I think it's no problem because age is not, is not uh, a thing in the peloton. We're all doing the same. We're all having the same goal. We're riding our bikes. And if you're 20 or 30, it really doesn't matter. And that's also what I found out over the years. Most of the times I was the oldest of the, of the team, but it really didn't matter to me. In some ways, I always felt the youngest because I was the less experienced rider of the team most of the times. Uh, and I also talked to uh, Leontine van Morsel. Uh, six years ago, she just had her first baby. And uh, I really wondered if, because she, after she won, uh, she won a gold medal in 2004, and then she got her child and she said, actually, this is way more beautiful than any gold medal. So I wondered, should I even start? Because she said, having a baby is so much more beautiful than racing a bike. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, back then I was uh, thinking of maybe getting children. But she said, if you really want to try, you should, you should follow your heart always. Because then you will never think back and regret, regret that you never tried. And yeah, you can still have children if you're a little bit older. Mm -hmm. um, so she gave me the, me the opportunity to uh, to try and ride with the girls in her team back then, Leontine.nl, and uh, I really didn't know how it would be like to to ride with girls. And she expected a journalist with a bike, and she also didn't know how good I would be. But it turned out that I was fast, or maybe even faster than a lot of them. And that's where she said, "Okay, this is interesting." And yeah, from the beginning on, I had her as a coach, which, which was awesome, of course. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if, if people don't know about Leontine van Morsel, she's one of the absolute goddesses of cycling. <laughs> and, oh, I, mean, I really this... thought I, I didn't need to explain. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I think, you know, I think for, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I think for an English person, we might have heard of Beryl Burton, for example, you know, for, it, for a French person, obviously Jeannie Longo, but Leontine isn't as famous for some reason. You know, Americans might know about Connie Carpenter, but I think for, if you haven't been like a women's cycling fan for a very long time, Leontine is just, you know, oh, she's just, she did everything, didn't she? She's yeah. a real, yeah. real heroine. I think um, if you look at her medals and her results, she's still the greatest female cyclist of all times. I think Marianne will beat her in the end. But mm. uh, yeah, she still is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing that was very interesting, because obviously you were in her team and... I think at the time, maybe some people thought it was a publicity stunt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, like, yeah. oh, well, this is a way to get more media attention because obviously you're very media literate. You, you know, you're a professional journalist and you've worked on television and radio. But she wouldn't take someone onto... Her, and Michael Zylard, her husband and coach, who is the DS of the team, they, they wouldn't take someone onto the team just for, you know what I mean, just for, just for publicity. They're, they're very serious about their team. Yeah, but they also know about publicity. So, of course, that was one of the reasons. Not so long ago, I talked to, uh, to Michael. And the thing I never knew is that he also took me in the team to uh, encourage the other girls and to, to show them, hey, look, there's some rom someone from the outside who also rides her bike very fast. So maybe to also uh, stimulate the other girls mm. and to show that, yeah, also if you're not grown up with a bike you can also race. So uh, that was interesting for me to, to hear. And of course, I also read all the comments that uh, it was a publicity stunt and that I was only there to, uh, 
to get attention. But then I thought, okay, if you think so, it's up to me to show that I really can race. So yeah. uh, it, for me, it was just uh, an extra challenge and I wanted to prove myself. And I also thought, well, if it doesn't work out, then these people are right. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> no problem for me. I just <laughs> wanted to try. I wanted to try it for me, not for other people. Yeah, yeah. I, I've always found your story very, very inspiring because oh, thank you. That, that, that idea of, of actually you can be, you know, you can be older you can have not done it. You don't have to start something when you're 18. You can you can still do it. You yeah, know, you're you're not you're not kind of in a path. And if you haven't done it by the time you're 21, that's it. You can only do what you do. Is is just so inspiring for me. And mm. so I've always I've always enjoyed it. Um, my favourite moment of your career, I think, was in that Ronda Van, when you're in that Ronda Van Drenthe breakaway. Yeah, you were out there and you went through your home village. And you, you were there, and I think you said at the time, the other riders in the breakaway, if they thought you hadn't deserved to be there, they wouldn't let you stay in that break. Uh, I think you mean a Ronde van Drenthe when I was in a Lotto Bellisol team, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 No, no, they, did, they didn't think, they didn't say that I didn't belong there. They were just really surprised that I was there. Yeah, yeah. But I think you said at the time that any rider who they thought wasn't good enough wouldn't be able to stay in that break. You know, they wouldn't yeah. let you along there just for you know, uh, just for sentimentality or for, you know, being nice. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. I think that's the year where I really proved that I belonged in the peloton because uh, it was on a really hard conditions that race. It was so cold and it was raining, almost snowing all the time, really strong winds. Um, and yeah, if you're, if you're in the breakaway in the final of a race like that, you really show that you are, a good cyclist because otherwise you're just not there mm. so for me there was no discussion anymore if I belonged uh, into the peloton or not and I think it was also the moment where other girls who criticized me realized that um, I was one of them yeah not someone from the so yeah it really changed something for me but also for other girls in the peloton because uh oh that means more which was really cool yeah yeah <laughs> That's my favorite. That's my favorite Marine on the bike moment. But what have been the highlights of your career? Well, actually, that race, yeah, yeah, for me as well, because it was, for me, it was a confirmation that I was, that I was a cyclist and that I was doing well. And the year before that, I had a DS who just didn't believe in me and who, who kept saying to me all the time, "You don't belong here. You should stop racing your bike. You're not good enough. I'm not giving you any chances." don't think you can do big races and especially races like Drenthe with a lot of winds and echelons and hard circumstances. He always said, you've got nothing to do there because you just can't do that. Uh, so for me, it was just so cool to prove that I could do it. Uh, I mean, you can, you can keep telling people that you can, but if you show them, there's no discussion anymore. So for me, it was really some sort of breakthrough and also the rest of that spring, I had a good results uh, in uh, Flash Vallon and uh, Trofeo Alfredo Binda. So for me, I think that spring was the highlight of my career. And of course, I had a, a lot more really cool races. But if I look back at my career, this was, yeah, this was my highlight when it comes to results. Oh, and if I can ask, what have been the lowest times of your cycling career? Yeah, I think the year before. <laughs> where I had a DS who just didn't believe in me and it was so hard to keep believing in myself if you have someone 
who says every week don't be here, you should stop racing. I mean, then you've got to be pretty strong to just continue. A couple of times I really thought, okay, maybe I should quit. If he tells me all the time that I can't, maybe maybe he's right. I mean, yeah, you just don't know at that moment because because he also didn't give me any chances. But yeah, fortunately, I had a, a lot of people around me who kept believing in me and who kept telling me, no, you, you can do this and, and you should continue. And next year you can show them what, you, what you're capable of. And uh, I'm so happy I, yeah, I just went through that. And uh, next season was so successful. So, yeah, it was hard that season, but I think the outcome was just, yeah, awesome. The time it must have been hell to live through, but having that down low must have made the high even better. That's true. But, yeah, I, I really look at it, at, at it that way. But on the other hand, my career hasn't been so long. It also feels like I just lost one season because of that Diaz, which yeah. is a shame because I only had six seasons yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what, what are you going to do next? What's the plan? Yeah, well, yeah, throughout my career, I've always uh, been writing, especially columns, uh, especially about cycling, women's cycling. Uh, and of course, I will continue to do that. Uh, I love writing about sports and about things people don't know about cycling and, and our part of cycling. Mm. Um, maybe I will even write a little bit more. And I will keep riding my bike from next spring on. Um, I will be guiding cycling trips in uh, Spain, in Netherlands. And uh, we've got my boyfriend and me have a lot of plans to, uh, to do cycling trips, especially for women, uh, because uh, I found that for women, it's hard to, uh, to book a cycling trip where also men join because they never know if they are strong enough uh, mm -hmm. or if it will be too hard for them. Um, so, um, yeah, I already uh, did some of uh, these, I call them ride-alongs in Spain. And I found that women think it's, it's uh, more comfortable to, to go with other women. So yeah. uh, that, that's what I want to do. I really want to, to share the, the fun I had riding my bike and still have riding my bike. And it's just such a, a great experience. And riding together is also, yeah, I love it. I still love it. And it's not about the speed. It's not about how good you can climb or sprint. It's about riding together and uh, having fun and yeah, enjoying nature. Uh, it made me such a happier person over the years. So uh, that's, that's what I would love to share with others. Oh, that sounds amazing. And it's nice that you can still be in the sport. Yeah. You talked about your writing. And one of the things that I have always loved is your blog. I mean, if people haven't read Marine's blog, you have to. It's just, I think you probably started writing about the first, when I was first trying to understand cycling <laughs> even when it was through google translate just the insight that you gave to to what it's like it was just nothing like nothing else i'd ever seen in the cycling media <laughs> thanks a lot that's a really big compliment and i think the interesting thing was you weren't shy about talking about some of the really big issues like your column about um, issues about weight and eating disorders and talking about doping and talking about you know creepy men wanting your skin suit and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Did you get any criticism ever for talking about things like that? Um, no, not so much, actually. Uh, I think in the peloton, the girls have all honest about things that happen. Um, and I've never, ever written a blog about uh, someone personally. Uh, and not, uh, I mean, so, so a lot of times in a positive way, but never in a negative way. 
and 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 the only way is to to write down the adventures we we have um uh, that's why I don't want to do it in a negative way. It's so easy to to write negative uh, columns, but um, uh, yeah, the girls in the peloton knew that sometimes I was uh, writing about difficult subjects, but they also, um, yeah, I think and girls came to me and they said, yeah, it's really good you finally uh, wrote it down. So I think for me, sometimes it was harder to write it down than... Um, no, yeah, I never got any negative reactions on it. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, to me, it feels very brave. I, I think your column on weight, and then Yolene Dora wrote one at the beginning this year too about yeah. talking about, what, you know, seeing people not eating. And and it's something that's so important because so many riders struggle with eating disorders and it's so, you know, it's so not, it's just not spoken about. I mean, men, the thing is, you know, it happens on the men's side too, but, you know, you, you can never talk about it amongst no, the men. no. And I think you should talk about it. I mean, it's not like I wanted or you wanted to shame anyone. It's just, it's got, to, it's got everything to do with cycling. We're so obsessed with a lot of things, with our watts and with our food and with our uh, everything, muscles, everything. So it's, the result is that people always go too far. Uh, yeah. And we should be aware of that and talk about it because if we don't talk about it, uh, it's even harder to do something about it. So that's why I think, well, that's why I don't care if people uh, don't like my writing, people in the peloton, because I think it's it's so important. Yeah, yeah. And has there really been anything that you wanted to write about that you didn't because you didn't want to, you know, jeopardize your position in the peloton? Um, yeah, of course I could have written more about eating disorders or... Uh, the way we sometimes get treated or but then I thought no that's not I mean like I said I don't want to name and shame people Um, and when I decided to write about things that happened to me um, I always uh, try to write in general because I'm not unique Uh, Mm -hmm. things happen to a lot of girls so um, I, I mean I use myself as an example if it's funny or if it's being uh, ironic about myself, but uh, I would never use myself as an example uh, or to, to, to shame other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe uh, sometimes I didn't write the whole truth or maybe I, uh, uh, I made things a little bit weaker than they were in the end. But I think I've been pretty honest throughout my career. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I loved about your, the way that you talked about them is you talked about them in the context of still absolutely loving the sport. That's the thing is that you've always been promoting it and been, you know, an advocate for it. That even when you were describing and you introduced me to the concept of frozen eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was so such a funny story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I mean, because um, to me, the first time I went to Omni Pet Noiseblad, it was really awful. Like, you have these girls who've never even raced in Europe before or never raced a classic and they're in this terrible weather there's 14 crashes in the neutral zone the pro riders drop them at kilometer 10 because they don't want to be riding with brand new girls and these poor girls I just remember some girls sitting in the velodrome on the steps because their team hadn't come back to them and they didn't have any clothes and people around them were just giving them clothes and and I'm like oh I I love cycling but this is awful (laughs) 
<laughs> but but you know when you were talking about things like frozen eyeballs, you did it with such a sense of humour, <laughs> but you still made it. You know, you still that you you know that you could see these negatives, but in the context of loving the sport. Yeah, yeah. Well, I also think some things are really awful, but in the end, I always say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, <laughs> which really is the truth. Also, these girls who uh, were sitting at the steps of the velodrome also heard a story the girl and, and I couldn't find the way back with not enough clothes on, totally frozen. And in the end, of course, she, she, she got back to the team. At that moment, you feel really sorry, but we always laugh about it. Also, the girl who, uh, who was involved, I mean, yeah, what can you do? Yeah, you can, you can start crying, but then, yeah, I mean... <laughs> doesn't make a difference it already happened so uh, yeah of course cycling is a hard sport and uh, sometimes things happen uh, which are really not funny Um, I I broke my collarbone I broke my wrist that was not funny but in the end always turns out okay so that's that's also what I knew throughout the years whatever happens it will be okay in the end Uh, so that's why I kept my focus on yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I, I sometimes feel a bit guilty about you must be most well known for teaching the world that it is possible for women to pee while cycling. <laughs> yeah, it's this this blog still uh, uh, is, is, is my most popular one. <laughs> but yeah, if that if, if that will be the thing where I'll, I will be known for. OK, I can live with it because it's such important information. Yeah, well, I mean, I pull it. I, I think I send it to people three times a year. Oh, women couldn't ride a long race because they need to stop and go to the toilet. And I'm like, aha, bullshit! I can show you. Yeah, and then and sometimes they send it to women who didn't know, and they're like, oh my god, <laughs> that's really possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm still teaching uh, girls how to uh, do a quick pee as well. So I think, yeah, we should. Not be too shy about these things and share them because it's uh, it's important. Yeah, and and the other blog I share a lot is your one about how to spot riders in the peloton by ponytails. I saw you doing it during the world. <laughs> yeah, it's still a good one, eh? <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant and it's so funny. I think my favourite part of that is talking about spotting Mariana but by her ponytail, but by the time you spot her, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> She's gone already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's always the same with Mariana. <laughs> so uh, you been telling your story as it's as it's gone along and you've been writing for various um magazines and websites as well haven't you yeah yeah and i'm really sorry i don't share my stories in english as much anymore uh it's a shame but on the other hand it's good for me because it means i'm really busy writing in dutch yeah yeah making a little bit money out of it uh, but I intend to uh, translate more and to share more in English as well because I, I really love the reactions from the English-speaking commu- community. It's slightly different from uh, what Dutch people say. Um, and I think it's, yeah, I mean, uh, you British people, but also people from Australia, they, they love insights from the peloton. And I think uh, in the Netherlands, girls are getting better in sharing them. Mm. Um, but I think... Yeah, the British and also the Australian and American girls could do it a little bit more. If I look at how many people read and share my stories when I translate them, I think there's a really big podium for it. So, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I think in a way, I was, I, I, because when I first came across your blogs, it was just at the beginning of social media. You know, there was your blogs, there was Vicky mm-hmm. Whitelaw's blogs, there was a couple of people on Twitter, you're on Twitter. And I think maybe in a way people don't blog anymore because they don't need to because they're sharing on Twitter, they're sharing on Instagram. 
And that's very good in the short term, but I miss having, you know, something that you can just flick through and read. Do you know what I mean? You can't yeah. really go back through a Twitter stream or an Instagram stream in the same way as you can through a blog. Yeah, yeah. But that's also why I'm a bit hesitant about translating because I also, I mean, I noticed that I can, I can tell it from uh, the visitors at my website that people are, are impatient nowadays. They don't take the time to read a full blog. And then I think, okay, I can translate it. But for how many people do I translate? But on the other hand, if you're the only one reading it, it's already worth it. <laughs> well, I love it. I, I'm, well, I always have, you know, I always have. Um, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you wrote your book with Ninka de Jong. Ninka de Jong. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't say it. Can you say it for me, the title? Vrouw en Fiets, Handbook voor de Fietsende Vrouw. Which is a, an introduction to everything about cycling for women. Yeah, exactly. How, how, did, that, how did that go down? I and mean, what was that like as an experience? Well, actually, it also started a bit as a, as a bit of a, ah, not really a joke, but um, when we wrote it, it was in 2010, a lot of our female friends started to ride a race bike just for fun. And they came to us and asked, because we already rode a bike, they asked, oh, what kind of bike do I need? And, and how does it work with, uh, with the pedals? And, uh, and, and uh, yeah, is it, is it dangerous? What do I eat? What do I wear? So we thought, okay, let's just write a funny handbook. Uh, not just with basic information, but also with our first experiences on the bike. Uh, we both had a, a blog back then, and yeah, we just loved to share our stories. So in the end, we had this book, and we really didn't know how it would sell. But yeah, riding a bike for women, it's, it's grown so much in the Netherlands, but I think all over the world. So um, yeah, in the Netherlands, the book still gets sold a lot. Uh, we sold over 10,000 copies now, which really is a lot for the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. uh, it got translated into German. Uh, it was published there last summer. I'm, I'm not sure how many copies are sold over there. And I actually, I don't understand why, why never a British or American or Australian publisher said, hey, I want to have that book too, because uh, I think women's cycling or riding a bike is also booming in the UK uh, but yeah, yeah, we've tried to find a, an English publisher, but we didn't succeed. If anyone's interested, we still are. <laughs> are you going to write any more books? I, mean, I would love you to publish a book or even a book, you know, a mini book of your um, blogs, for example, and your column. Yeah, but the problem would be, it would be in Dutch. Get a column, you know, get a column in. in now, I mean, like, this, is, this is my theory. Like, you know, Marijn, you should, you should get, a, get a column in, in one of the English magazines and, you know, and kind of have those beautiful blogs kind of re reformatted <laughs> yeah. for a short time i had a column in uh, at the website of a ruler magazine yeah but yeah it was just for a short time and yeah i don't really know why i think my theory is there are so many people who can write in english so yeah maybe it's easier to just take columns from a native speaker i don't know um and yeah, since I, uh, since I write in Dutch so much and make my money out of it, I'm also not very active in yeah. trying to get a new column in English. Yeah, but, I, which you know, is the same. but this is what I was going to say. I mean, the fact that you have been able to make money out of it has been great. You know, it's been, it's been I, you know, I'd rather you wrote, never wrote in English if, if it meant, <laughs> you know, if, if it meant that you were making money. Because that's, you know, again, when, when I first started looking at cycling, that didn't seem like it was possible 
And, no. and there's people like you, Iris Slappendale has her columns. Um, you know, there's, there's, it seems like um, Yolene Dora um, occasionally has columns in, um, on, uh, ooh, I can't remember which website it is. I want to say Noisblad, but it might be not, that might not be right. I'm also not very sure. And so also some other Dutch uh, girls have, have columns in cycling magazines. It seems like you came into the sport at a really interesting time. Because it's so different, even though yeah. you only had six, six seasons, it's so different now to how it was then. I really think so. It's it's grown massively over the, the last six years, and I can also uh, I could also really notice that that the the level got so much higher because when I started, I didn't know anything. I didn't have very good bike handling. Of course, I saw races on television, but it, once you're in a race, it's so hard to to react and to know what to do in a race, and but. If I look back, my best results I had in the beginning of my career. Yeah. Um, and the last two years were still okay, but not result-wise, not as good as in the first years. But the last years, I was so much better in bike handling and uh, racing. Uh, so, yeah, there's this really big new generation of extremely strong and good female cyclists, which is awesome. And also for me, when I said goodbye to the sport, I, I knew that it was on such a, a higher level than when I started. Mm. Um, yesterday, I wrote a column about Lizzie Armistead getting world champion. And uh, yeah, my conclusion was that women's cycling uh, is grown up now. Yeah. Because what I saw her doing was celebrating like a girl and not like a guy when she passed the finish line. Mm. She wasn't screaming putting her hands in the air making a lot of uh, noises she was yeah, actually she was crying with her hand before her mouth which is much more female actually a much more pure female reaction yeah yeah very iconic you know that kind of red red red, red nail varnish her hand just looking completely exactly. overwhelmed by her emotions like exactly yeah and we all, always uh, try to act like men on a bike but I think we're at the point that we have our own way of racing and our own way of, yeah, we're riding like girls. That was my conclusion. And also winning like girls. And yeah. that's it's a really great feeling that we are at this moment now. And, and it's also a good time to, to leave the sport then. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, I mean, when you started, I always think of it as like the years where, I mean, I love Nicole Cook, um, but she was, she was she rode as a so I, I feel like and I could be wrong that she rode as more of a solo rider do you know what I mean like like she yeah. could like in that day and that in you you could win without having any right you know you could win without having the strongest team and over the last six years it's really changed to become you know you don't just need to be the best rider you've got to be the cleverest rider you've yeah. got to have a strong team around you you know you've got to I mean that made Lizzie's to me that made Lizzie's win so much more exciting because she didn't have a strong team at all but you know you have to be you have to be you know when you you can't go and win world cup after world cup just by being you know the best rider you've got no. to, you've got to have all those teammates around you and you've got to have clever tactics and yeah I think you're, it's, yeah, it's, and it seems to be, you know, because so, some people would say, oh, well, Mariana Voss just wins everything. That just means it doesn't change. But every year, everyone would go away and get better, but she'd go away and get better too. <laughs> yeah, I really wonder what, what will happen if she comes back. I'm not sure if she, she will still be the strongest out no, there. 
but I think I think in a way that makes her that I think she'd quite in a strange way like that you know if it becomes more challenging for her because yeah I mean she said that while she's been ill this year the thing it has shown her is that she still wants it she still loves the sport yeah yeah you know in a couple of like, like two years ago people <clears throat> were always asking her how do you keep your motivation how do you keep your motivation well <laughs> this is if she comes back this is how you keep your motivation yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and, and I think it will be really exciting when she comes back because then yeah then we will really see uh, what the level of of women's cycling is right now I think it's much higher than people think yeah it's been it's been great to 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 be part of it within these these years where it changed so fast and I I also feel that I'm this tiny little part of the change because when I entered women's cycling as a journalist, I was flabbergasted that I saw these pure athletes working every day so hard to be a cyclist and didn't get any recognition, no media attention, nothing. So for me, also one of my duties as a journalist uh, was to, to get more attention. And I tried to do that, to write stories about us and to share them. Because I think when you involve people uh, and tell personal stories and get them interested, they want to know more. Yeah. So that's what I try to do. And I think a lot of girls in the peloton try to do that. And social media have been so important. So I think all these things lead to this, to this point in the end where it got so much better in six years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I, think I remember... You going on when Leontine had the our drink sponsorship, I think it was, and you were on TV with her. And yeah, I, and I remember at the time thinking, I bet it makes TV companies feel a bit more comfortable knowing that you, as a TV professional, would be on there. It must have made them a little. I, you know, I, I still feel like that must have made them a little bit more made made cycling a little bit more attractive to feature because they knew that they, they knew that with you, they'd get someone who knows how it works you know what I mean <laughs> uh, it's, it's nice you think like that you think like it that way but I think my colleagues other journalists are just super lazy <laughs> <laughs> and they had my phone number in their phone so whenever they needed someone to tell about women's cycling it was just super easy for them to call me so uh but, but without yeah. you there, you know, with, if they're lazy, without you there, they just wouldn't have called anyone. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's true. That, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's the truth of it, isn't it? I mean, I think having someone like you there that's... Because you crossed both worlds, you had one foot in journalism, one foot in the sport. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've not been in the Netherlands, so I don't know, but it felt to me like that really, that did help it. So, I mean, I, I'm going to say it. I feel like, yeah, I feel like you are part of the reason that it's become more popular. And, you know, and as you say, the the real life stories, your blogs, this year, Valentina Scandolara made like three or four insane, but hilarious videos. So good. <laughs> I, oh, I absolutely love them. They're just so quirky. They're yeah. like, I've never seen anything like that. I've never read anything like your blogs in, in sports. I've never seen anything like Valley's videos, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tiffany Cromwell's Instagram, you're, you know, like, it, it's great that there are cyclists who are using new media. Yeah, but I think we, we all realize that if we want to get people involved, we've got to do it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the last couple of years have shown that it works. So, yeah, I hope girls uh, 
also try and do that. But I think we're on a really good way now. And also with the UCI changing things and, and, and broadcasting our World Cups, which is really awesome. It's just, yeah, we're in a good flow. Yeah, I mean, gone are the days where you had to kind of look around, you know, I had to hunt and Google in four different languages to find yeah. a three-minute yeah. clip. This summer in English TV, there was like, I don't know, again, like five live races over six weeks that I could see without oh, having to amazing. pretend that I was in Poland or somewhere. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's just changing and, you know, it's, it's changing and growing and, yeah. So your last race was the Bowls Rental Ladies Tour. How on home soil in Holland, how did that feel? Uh, yeah, it felt weird because racing is still racing. And uh, at the moment, I didn't really realize that it was my last race. So, and I still don't know if I really realized it. I think I can only tell when the season of 2016 starts because I won't be part of it anymore. At the moment, it still feels like I'm in my off season. It was really good. I really liked the ladies tour, but I could also feel that it was time for me to retire because uh, two years ago I found out I have a, a hip uh, disease. It's, it's natal hip dysplasia. That's the official English word, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and over the, the last two years, it has become worse and worse, which is normal for such a thing. Um, and yeah, last year I've been in a lot of pain uh, and I also could see in my watch that I... Um, I was getting worse. Mm -hmm. So I am. Yeah, I, I really felt that it. I didn't have a lot in me anymore. So I uh, did everything I could to be in a breakaway uh, at the, the stage before the final stage because I knew did, this would be my last chance to show myself because in the last stage in Limburg, I will, I will be gone. Uh, I knew I wouldn't be strong enough anymore and I, I knew that I would be in too much pain to have a good <laughs> result. Uh, but I, yeah, I just wanted to to say goodbye to cycling in that race. And uh, although I knew that I wouldn't, I do, I wouldn't win anything. Uh, I didn't mind. I just wanted to be there. And I was very happy that in the in the fifth stage, I won the uh, the jersey for the most competitive rider. So uh, for me, that was actually a perfect goodbye. Are you live in Girona? Um, do you live? Do you live full time in Girona, or only in the summer? Where are you going to be living now? <laughs> no, I only live in Girona in winter. Yeah, uh, and also not not the whole winter. Um, and yeah, the the plan is to uh, to keep doing that. So this yeah. winter I will be in Girona again. I've got to have surgery on my hip, which will be hopefully at the end of this month. And then I have to uh, to recover from that. And I I hope to be on the bike again at the end of December mm -hmm. uh, and, and yeah then in January I, I would like to go back to Girona and to to uh, spend there the winter and the beginning of spring and uh, yeah actually it's great to have the best of both worlds in summer in the Netherlands and in winter in Spain that's awesome yeah that's like my ideal of, my yeah. of heaven but I mean I guess you'll also be able to keep in touch with the peloton through living in Girona because you know there's so many there's that kind of women's cycling community in, yeah. in Girona yeah yeah yeah, and that's a good feeling. I mean, uh, I don't know how it will feel when, I, when I'm really not part of it anymore. Uh, but yeah, if, if it's up to me, I would like to keep in touch with all the girls. <laughs> so who are the best friends you've made um, on, in the cycling? Um, yeah, one of the girls I see a lot is uh, Kirsten Wild. Mm -hmm. But that's because she uh, lives around the corner. And... Uh, 
Yeah, like it is with cycling. Uh, I have a lot of good friends, but they're all far away and they're all busy and they're all training and racing. So you don't get to see each other so much. And the girls I see the most are the girls who live around. So uh, Willeke Knol and Kirsten Wild and uh, Loes Grunewijk, the other girls from Zwolle. Um, and I think I will keep seeing them in future because uh, Loes still rides her bike. We ride together. And uh, I'm sure next season, if uh, Kirsten uh, has a recovery ride, I will join her and we, have, we will have a coffee. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit... It's a bit hard to uh, keep seeing each other if you're far away from each other. But yeah, the, the girls who live close by, I'm sure I will uh, keep seeing them. Excellent. So um, last question, I promise. <laughs> last question. I always have like 15 last questions. Um, last question. What have been the funniest or most ridiculous moments of your cycling career? <sighs> That's a hard one. Um... Or ones that make you smile, ones that make you laugh. There are so many moments. Yeah, the first one that comes up to me now, but that's that's only because it's been very recent. Is 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 uh, I think the second day in the Holland Ladies Tour where our DS wanted to go to the breakaway because my teammate was in it, and he drove through this big hole filled with water, and there was a, a big crowd at the side of the road, and <laughs> all got totally soaking wet. That was so funny. He didn't see it. He didn't do it on purpose, but yeah, those are the things. They're just small moments. They are so funny. You, you find yourself back in hotels or in, in, in trailer vans uh, at campsites where you think, what am I doing here? This can't be real. And <laughs> then you are there, and you have to to make sure you can uh, race your bike again the next day. I mean, if I think back of uh, uh, the ladies' tour of Ardèche, for example, we're all on this campsite, uh, maybe even barbecuing at night. It, it really feels like a holiday. And the <laughs> next day we are doing such insanely hard stages. Yeah, those things, those are the things I will never forget. Sometimes I really hated women's cycling to be so... Uh, basic but on the other hand it gave me so many great stories and uh, yeah of course it's not cool if you find yourself back in a bed with uh, filled with uh, with red dung but on the other hand yeah <laughs> if you look back at it it's like oh okay oh yeah you remember yeah we really did that oh that was awful right yeah it's just amazing stories and that's what I love about it the most that I have so many stories and that that I've been part of a, a great adventure. Yeah. I mean I've I've been when I go to races it's things like, you know, working on the Aviva Women's Tour or when Carlima took me to the uh, Ladies Tour of Norway, which is just luxury. <laughs> but you know, I think I think people when they read your blog, I can't remember which one it was either Languedoc Roussillon or Tour de Lode, and you were talking about staying in a campsite in like, you know, caravans and people are like what <laughs> what the hell yeah, that was longer dog that was really awful because that was also the race with the red dung on the beds and uh and the tiny breakfasts and the yeah in france the tiny breakfasts and then the waiters who look at you uh, like you're crazy when you ask for something more <laughs> <laughs> yeah those things and uh chicken haricot verts and pasta every night yeah, uh, yeah. i i would certainly not miss that yeah i think i think Anamik put up a photo on that Languedoc Roussillon where half the teams went home of yeah. food that we didn't even know what the food was. <laughs> and it was either Iris or Anamik had this picture of the of just like this this grey food. 
<laughs> it was horrible, yeah. And then, I mean, you don't want to, to complain all the time, but these things, they are just... They are also so funny, so I yeah. always uh, try to share them in, in the most funny way I, I could think of, but also make people aware of our situation, yeah. because sometimes it's just really crap. Yeah, yeah, but I think, you know, as you say, the thing that came through from your blogs was your love of it, you know, your love yeah. of the sport, and your, your, your love of adventure, the adventure of it, and the storytelling, so thank you, thank you, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss you so much, oh. <laughs> I won't disappear. I mean, I will. I will ride my bike, and not in a, not in a professional way. But uh, yeah, you will be reading me. Excellent. So, um, if people do want to follow your adventures, where do they find you on the internet? Uh, a couple of spots. I've got my uh, Facebook page. Just type in Marijn de Vries, and you will find me. Um, I've got my Twitter, which is uh, Marijn Fietst. Okay, that's M A R I J N F I E. T S T. Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> and Marina Vries is M A R I J N D E V R I E S. For people like me who aren't Dutch, <laughs> I think they've all written it down now. <laughs> I, I, I hope they have. I'm going to be testing them later. And where's your website? Um, it's marijndevries.nl. Excellent. And is uh, and and what else? Where else? Uh, where and um, and where? If people are looking for where you're writing professionally. That goes on your blog, but where else can they find things? Uh, they can, yeah, you can also find me on Strava and on Instagram. And uh, yeah, I think all the other things, uh, you can find them on my blog. And also about the trips I'm going to do uh, in Spain. It's not for just for Dutch women. It's also for, it's for everyone, for all women. Yeah. So uh, I mean, you speak perfect English. So, you know, as you. you can see, like, so yeah, if people want to have be- rides in beautiful Girona, yeah, it's by fantastic Miranda Rees, who will make you fall off your bike with laughter at her amazing <laughs> stories and teach you how to pee and tell you all the best, give you really, really clever tips from the Peloton. You know, Aww, people, should yeah. book, people should book with you. Um, do you have any idea where your first trips, when your first trips are going to be? Uh, that will be in uh, in Girona. Girona. We actually already have dates. The first one is at the end of February. But you will all find it on my website if you click on clinics. It's in Dutch, but then there is a link which leads you to an English page which explains everything. Excellent. I'm going to do it. I, if, if I could ride my bike. <laughs> I can it. also teach you how to ride a bike. That's no problem. <laughs> but I recommend, I t- seriously, I recommend this, people. If you have a woman in your life who you want to buy a beautiful Christmas present for, this is it. If you are a woman who likes biking and you want to go on holiday, do this, do this. Yeah, join me. It's going to be fun. (laughs) Well, thank you so much and massive, massive good luck. Thank you for everything and massive good luck for the future. And I hope to talk to you again. Yeah, you better have to. Excellent. You have to. Marijn was the first road rider to ever speak to me, to let me interview her. her. So, you know, it's it's the end of an era. (laughs) But it's going to carry on. She's going to be in the sport and that makes me happy. Absolutely. If you'd like to read any of the specific blogs that we talked about in this podcast, or to find all the links to videos of Marine and to where you can find her online, including how to book onto her ride-alongs, please do go to my site, prowomenscycling.com, which is full of uh, women's cycling coverage, videos, podcasts, things like that. 
You can also find me online on Twitter at underscore pigeons underscore. And a huge thanks, as always, to my Patreon supporters who fund me from as little as $2 a month to do this kind of thing. Thank you. If you're interested in joining them, that's www.patreon.com slash women's cycling. And as always, if you have anything to say to me about women's cycling or anything else, come and talk to me on Twitter and I'll be more than happy to chat cycling. Thank you very much for listening.